This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. We're talking travel on 2NURFM 103.7, Sally Lucas. Canada seems to be a really popular destination with a lot of Australians. It is, Jane. I mean, we've talked before about combining Canada with the Inside Passage, but Canada has a lot more to offer than just the West Coast, of course. It's, it's a, a large country, and it's got a vast array of scenery, wildlife, you know, from the beautiful mountains we all know about, with the Rockies to the beautiful coloured lakes, to steppes, you know, where you've got these wheat plains of just flat then you go across the other side, of course. It is funny to think of steps being flat. Isn't, isn't it? it? <laughs> when we say steps, we're talking about the double PES steps, of course, and not the walking steps. Um, and then you get across the other side, of course, you've got the wonderful Niagara Falls on the Canadian side. You know, you've got beautiful cities like Toronto, the French side of Quebec and Montreal. And then you've got the beautiful islands too, like and you've got Halifax and Nova Scotia and Newfoundland. So it's a very diverse country. And I thought it was probably only fitting maybe that Getaway this year decided all their presenters, you know, had to vote and decide what was their country of the year. And Canada just kept coming back as being the one that they were most impressed with and felt it had the most to offer. So I thought, well, we can just talk about a few of the different areas. And if, if you want to, they have a wonderful website, the Canadian Tourism Commission, www.canada.travel. And you can go in on there and then look up whatever you want about any particular province or area. And I was also reading, I think, I don't know what's one of our trade magazines, it might have even been in a newspaper, Jane, I just can't quite remember this week, where uh, Victoria, which is Vancouver Island, was voted the, um, the most friendly, user-friendly type city in the world. So the people are, the natives are friendly, Yes, basically. yes. Yeah. So that was interesting. It's such a gorgeous little place. Vancouver mm. Island. It's quaint and, you know, you've still got little horse and buggies going around. Of course, the Butchart Gardens are, are renowned as some of the most beautiful gardens in the world, it went obviously in the spring and autumn months. But you go there in winter and it's like a fairy tale land because everything's just, they, they're big on Christmas over at Victoria. So everything's got lights. So all the, all the park where it hasn't got flowers and it's snow laden, but everything's covered in fairy lights. And so it's quite beautiful. So, you know, it, it's very diverse and has a lot to offer. I mean, Initially, I guess most Australians know British Columbia because you fly into Vancouver, so that's often the stepping off point for people to get into Canada. And from there, they do that inside passage cruise quite often. And we have a lot of skiing aficionados in Australia who just love the skiing in Canada, which you've got Whistler, which is your closest, and that gives you the coastal skiing or the more softer snow, I suppose. Or when I say soft, I guess they call it more wet snow, I suppose you call it, because you're on the coast. But then you don't have to go very far, like in towards Calgary, only a couple of hours away, and they've got other resorts like Sun Peaks, which have apparently some of the best runs, and they're not expensive. You know, everyone perceives, I think, skiing, but when you get away from maybe the more renowned areas into some of these other areas, the shopping, like the food, the accommodation, the cost of your lift passes and all that sort of thing are certainly less expensive, and less expensive even than Australia. So, you know, you can combine seeing a country with a little bit of skiing if that's what you like to do. If it was me, I wouldn't go all that way to ski because I'm not a skier. But you know what I mean? Uh, people do do that, of course, and, and they go it. there just to ski mm. and they love it. But you can certainly do a combination where you can at least experience some of the other things Canada has to offer. So, yeah, so I thought, well, British Columbia, we all know about that, as I said, with, with um, of course, Vancouver. And Vancouver is a lovely city. It's a very attractive city. You know, it's on the water. And I think Australians seem to relate to cities on the water. I think we love San Francisco for the same reason. It's a bit quainter than other American cities, if you like, not as big and brash. 
And Vancouver's a lovely city as well. It's got a combination of old and new, and it's got a lovely park in, in with itself there, apart from going across to Victoria, and a wonderful aquarium. And as I said, you're very close to um, Kelowna and, and Campbell River, where you go up to see those wonderful grizzlies. So you've got night inlet, and so there's a lot you can do. And then you've got the Yukon, and I mean, it's just a huge area of that mountains. That means areas. gold, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I reckon. And it's um, 98 miles or 158 kilometres, this Yukon area west of Whitehorse. That, I always love that name, Whitehorse. It just conjures up sort of, you know, you can just picture cowboys riding down the street and all that sort of thing. Um, and you can get there, of course, and go up, up to that area by ferry or there are train services that take you into the Yukon. And, like, you've got 22,000 kilometres of national park and reserve just in the Yukon alone. So this is when we're talking how big Canada is and how vast it is. And, of course, once you're going towards the Rockies, you've got these wonderful glaciers. You know, you've got the Athabasca Ice Glacier, which you can go on um, and experience. And then you've got, on the other side, as we were saying, Nova Scotia, Halifax, the beautiful French influence in Montreal and Quebec, uh, Niagara Falls. I mean, if you're going to go to Toronto, you'd have to go down to Niagara Falls, obviously. And it is more attractive from the Canadian side. Um, Buffalo is the nearest city on the American side, but the more spectacular drops and falls are actually on the Canadian side, so it's much better to see it from that side. So getting back to the French cities, yes. Montreal and Quebec, uh, the French influence, is that mainly in the food and the language or other things The language well? particularly. I mean, they basically do speak mainly French. Um, and your signs are in French first and English second. So the French influence is very strong there, which is unusual, isn't it? You, you don't sort of think, I mean, even though we know that there is the French influence in Canada, it doesn't sort of go together, like the French influence in Mauritius or, you know, Tahiti or you sort of, that, that sounds right. And this sort of seems like an imbalance, of course, because the rest of Canada, Canada isn't French at all. It's just this one little pocket. But very interesting cities again and beautiful French influence in architecture and so on as well. So, yes, yeah, so, it's, so it's different to you, like your modern in Toronto, which is a lovely big modern city, and you've got then the, the French influence a little bit further to the to the east. So it has got a lot to offer, and so I think yeah, and there's lots of good packages available with different wholesalers. They've all got things put together these days that will take you, as I said, to see the polar bears up in Churchill, to see the grizzlies, to go skiing, to you know, you name it, to do Rocky Mountain Rails through the Rockies, to do your inside passage cruise and continue on to Alaska, of course, which I know is not part of Canada, but a lot of people like to incorporate that. But there's wonderful cruises on the East Coast. People forget you can cruise all around that beautiful East Coast, around Newfoundland, as I said, and Nova Scotia, so on through those islands and finish up in Boston. And that's a nice thing to do as well. If you've already done the, the West, think of the East. It's got a lot to offer, and especially in autumn. The colours are just stunning in Canada and Northern America in the autumn months of, well, October, basically. Late September into early November is probably the best time to go. Canada, justly a popular tourist destination. I think so. We're talking travel on to NURFM 103.7, thanks to our sponsor, Travel World on King. Sally Lucas, there's all sorts of new travel options coming up, you tell me. Yes, and it's it's growing, Jane, isn't it? I mean, it, it's a marvellous thing, and you open a brochure now, and you, it, it shows you destinations you've never seen before. And for us in the industry to keep seeing new destinations, when you know, particularly someone like myself or a lot of the others in our office who've been in the industry a long time, like you've seen a lot of things come and go, a lot of things happen, and doors close. But now we're seeing a lot more doors opening, and. Uh, I just think it's fantastic that we've got this range to offer people now that 
you know, that if they've done everything, they really haven't. <laughs> Sounds They crazy. only think they have. <laughs> um, Give us a taste. Yeah, well, Peregrine, um, which is an adventure-based company, has launched um, a limited range of what they're calling flagship expedition-style tours, which are tailor-made and they're led by, you know, destination managers who are experts in, in that particular destination. So what they've done this year, there's one... Um, going to the Namibia, Namibia Wilderness in Africa, which is an eight-day expedition which begins and ends in Windhoek. And it takes them to little explored areas around the two rivers, which I even hadn't heard of, called the Ugab and the Abba Huab rivers. And they camp and trek along riverbeds. And you explore the region both on foot and, you know, in four-wheel drive in search, of course, of game. And this area is where they have the elusive black rhinoceros, um, as well as a desert-adapted elephant. Because Namibia is desert, whether people might not be aware of this, but you're looking towards the west of Africa, and it's quite starkly beautiful, but it's totally different to like your national park Kruger side, which has got you know lots of lakes and more forested, etc. So you're going to a quite a different part of Africa. So I thought that was really interesting. And there's departures in May and September next year, and heading across to the other side of the southern hemisphere in Argentina, they're doing a 12-day Andean horseback expedition for confident horse horse riders who are looking for virtually a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And um, the uh, expedition leader on that will be their Latin American destination manager. And, of course, they'll take pack heels with them as well, experienced Argentinian horsemen, or gauchos as they're known. And um, eight of the 12 days are spent on a trail ride through some of the world's most spectacular mountains, including passing Mount on Aconcagua, which is the tallest peak in on in the South America, in yeah. South America, and it's in the Americas actually, not just yes. South America. And of course, people do um, uh, climb that. Who was the Joe Simpson? Wasn't it the story of Joe Simpson mm, who touching the void, touching the void? That, that is a marvelous there. book. If mm. no one has ever read that book, it's just of someone's survival when he was thought to be dead and fell down the crevasse and his neighbour, or his partner, sorry, thought he was gone. And Fantastic story, just digressing, but a wonderful story for anyone to read. Um, and it gives you some idea of, the, of this mountainous area of the Andes anyway. So that would be quite amazing for someone who, you know, is a good horse rider. Um, you're doing, you know, steep-sided gorges and you're doing valleys. And But I think a wonderful experience for anyone out there who, who is into, into riding horses, of course. And that's departs from Mendoza. Um, and that's in January 2009. So it's a little way off for that one yet. So not for another, you know, bit over 12 months. Um, but keep that one in mind. And they're also doing a, a one-off expedition called the Images of Persia, which is going through Iran, which of course, as we all know, that was the old Persia. Um, and they have again, their Middle East destination manager will be taking people through that area. Um, and you go through ancient historical cities such as the Shiraz, which is, of course, we know that's where the, the, the red wine came from, from the grape came from, uh, Persepolis and Esfahan, and as well as off the beaten track experiences and hiking into the ruins of the Castle of the Assassins and so on. That will be August next year. So, I mean, three vastly different Mm. products there that would interest people who are maybe just looking for something a little different in their in their holiday. So, yeah, that's those. Um, Sabah, again, is a very popular destination with Australians who've gone to Asia but looking for something different to do apart from, you know, the Thailand, the usual Malaysia, Singapore, etc. And Sabah, is, again, is a wonderful place for ecotourism as well. It's, it's very pristine in its waters. And, of course, you've got the wonderful um, orangutans and orangutan sanctuaries there where they're preserving and, and keeping them. Now, I've got a beautiful picture here of two orangutans just kissing each other. It just looks gorgeous. They look so human sometimes. I, I'm convinced we're definitely, we're definitely from the monkeys. But anyway, 
But then, of course, you've got the wonderful islands there where they have the turtles um, which which hatch and you can go to see the turtles as well. And also you've got, um, there's part of our World War II heritage, of course, is in Sabah because we were based in Borneo. And um, so you can go, and that's on the west coast, and then you've got Sandakan on the east coast. They've also got the proboscis monkey, which is that unusual monkey with the big, long no sort of hanging off its face, if you like. It doesn't look like a normal monkey, and so it's quite unusual as well. And it's really user-friendly for children. And, of course, you know, you've got Mount um, Kinabalu. And so, again, you've got some trekking. You've got forest. You've got lushness. You can go and stay in a longhouse, which are these great big longhouses up on stilts that the village people, once you remove from these urban areas, still still stay. And you've got the opportunity to do that as well. So a really interesting and different destination and close to home. So you're not having to fly very far either which is always rather good and time zones fairly similar too yes jet lag so it's always good so So there you go so there's some very different and interesting things you can maybe try and incorporate into your holiday planning over the next year or so thank you sally lucas thank you jane and we'll be back talking travel again next friday after the one o'clock news here on to nurfm 103.7